Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the Zenpreneur Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Jesse van Bruegel or Jesse van Bruegel, as the Americans like to say. Him and I, we just had a conversation about uh, how uh, American or English-speaking uh, people usually have a hard time with our names. Uh, Jesse is a really powerful human being. He's a copywriter turned LinkedIn inbound specialist, but he sees himself mostly as a digital creator who's building cool stuff and helping as many like-minded experts in the process. He was recently named a top 50 LinkedIn creator worldwide in the sales and marketing uh, um, department. And he did all of that in just about a year. Jesse, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Well, thanks so much for, for inviting me and introducing me in such an elegant way. I'm excited to, uh, to chat to you today and uh, hopefully bring some value to the listeners. Absolutely. We're going to make sure of that. Jesse, before we dive into the conversation, just for us to set the stage, how can you help uh, our listeners? That's a great question. I would say mostly by, by, by telling my, my story, by sharing my story, how content specifically transformed my, my, my life and has been able to build a business that fully uh, supports my, my lifestyle and helps me get closer to, uh, to my dreams. I like that. There's a lot that I can definitely learn here today because I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with content creation. So I'm excited uh, to dive in. And I know you shared with me that the journey to where you are now and where you are now, just so for people to know, you know, you've, if you look at your LinkedIn, your LinkedIn has truly become a lead generation machine. I follow you on LinkedIn. I work with you um, as, as my coach one-on-one -on -one to help me with my copy. And that was absolutely great. And for people that don't know you, you did all of that, becoming a top 50 influence on LinkedIn worldwide in just about a year. Now, that takes a lot. You don't just wake up that way. So walk us back. How did you get to being the man that you are today? Yeah, and uh, it's, of course, a story with ups and downs, definitely. Uh, I think every story has that. But in terms uh, specifically on like the LinkedIn, um, like the, the, like the LinkedIn journey is that it started actually as with me hating the platform for the longest. So mm -hmm. I started my entrepreneurial journey as a, as a writer on Medium, like uh, over three years back. Because I already had this urge always for like the creative part of like expressing myself. And when I figured out, okay, I can build a brand from this. I can monetize this. I'm like, okay, I think that's my gateway into entrepreneurship. Try Twitter uh, first with like creating products. Uh, and as you said, like over, a little bit over a year ago, I got back to LinkedIn uh, for like the seventh time. And I was like, this time I want to make it work. 
So I set like a really simple like challenge for me, like a 30 day posting challenge, because I understand that you only get, I would say, traction on a platform if you consist or you're consistent with your output. That's what I learned from like my days on, on, on Medium and on Twitter. And within that 30 days, this is like uh, April last year, so April 2022, I had much, I would say I had fun uh, because I was like, oh, LinkedIn is not as superficial or as cold as I thought it'd be. I definitely saw some some changes there. Met amazing people, like content creators, and we just had, like, like I said, we had fun building our brands there. So through the process of like creating and engaging and networking with these people, I was like, okay, I think there's actually something here. And yeah, fast forward uh, like 15, 15 months, as you said as well, like I've got named as like a top 50 creator in like the sales and marketing category. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Now when I look back, I'm like, it all started with like a simple like challenge for myself in order to just uh, get get consistent there. Mm. So from a challenge, you focused on what you talked about consistency and that consistency started to give you traceable results. Now, there's a question on my mind that I often struggle with myself, and I'm sure many listeners can relate to that, is how much time do you spend on a daily basis on LinkedIn? Yeah, in the beginning, it was pretty brutal. Uh, in the beginning, it was definitely north of three hours a day uh, just to get things off the ground. So I spent like most of my time writing content, but an even bigger chunk of my time was spent on like the interaction part of things. So like making sure I was interacting and commenting with, with, with creators and entrepreneurs that I thought would be beneficial for me to get connected with. And also make sure that everyone that com commenting was on my stuff, it was like getting like replies because in the beginning, it's just like, a, like, like it's, it's like a slow ball or like one comment, two comments, three comments, but you still have to nurture them because the moment you start, stop doing that, people are like, yeah, well, I think he's an a-hole and lets me go spend my time someplace else. Uh, so in the beginning, it was pretty brutal, especially with not seeing results. Uh, but for me, like early on in my, in my career and also coming from like a bodybuilding background, I understood that. The goal is the output and not, and then the outcome will come. So I was like, okay, the more time I spent on a strategic way on LinkedIn, I can get to the outcomes. So my goal has never been to go viral, but I'm like, I can be consistent. I can show up every day to engage with the right people to, 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 to publish content. So in the beginning it was definitely like three, four hours a day. Currently it's a little bit less than that because I've become much more strategic with my content creation process and my, 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 my strategy has changed over time. Uh, but it's still something that I commit uh, daily because I see it as one of my most, I would say leveraged tasks within my business. Mm. That's a, it's very good to hear that from you. Cause it also shatters a little bit this illusion. Um, cause in, and for me personally, the challenge is, is exactly that is committing to spend the time on the platforms. And obviously you make a strong case for it being worth it because you do connect there with people and uh, you get a lot of your inbound leads. Now, there's a lot more questions that I wanna ask you about this. And I also know that you have a, pre you have a pretty powerful comeback story that I do want our listeners to, to experience. Tell me, you mentioned to me that you have hit rock bottom twice without any uh, savings, without any cash flow, and then you made yourself come back to where you are now. 
I'm very curious about that story. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So uh, in hindsight, it's a fun story. In the moment, it was definitely not fun, but uh, it gave me a good lesson. And the first time was actually, I would say, when I was in Bali, like for most people, like paradise on earth. And I was like one of my darkest days uh, in my adult life because there was no business coming in. I had literally no clue what I was doing, but I was pretending to be in a good spot because that's what society and the outside world and the people around you expect whenever you're in Bali, like living the dream between quotes. And then I got back in Amsterdam. Uh, and I already got rid of my house like before that in Amsterdam. So I, I got rid of my apartment in Amsterdam, moved to Bali. And after like two, three months, I was like, okay, we, we, we're leaving the country uh, back to Amsterdam. So I went from Bali to having a small room in my dad's house, like close, like in the north of, of the Netherlands in a really small rural village. So I'm like extreme opposites, but I was there much happier. And I was just getting back into to my, my, my solid habits. So walking daily, meditating, breath work, consistent output. Back then it was still on Twitter, making sure I got the business off the ground. And, and again, this, this brings me back to what I said earlier, like focus always on the output and then the outcome will come. If, if, the, if, if I clearly define which actions I need to take on a daily basis. So this was midst of like 2021, got things back on the road again. Uh, I actually went on the road again. So I started traveling again, Eastern Europe. And then I ended up back in Costa Rica. And then last year during, during the summer, I run into the same mistake as the year before because there was no new projects coming in and I didn't focus on like, like sustainable cash flow or MRR. And suddenly I, I found myself in this hole again. And I remember like, like laying in bed at a friend's place because again, I was still without an apartment. So every time coming back from me in, in Amsterdam was like, kind of like, in between but there is if there was no money it's it's even harder uh so i remember laying laying in bed and i was like how the f did i get here again and i was like well i definitely didn't learn my lessons of like recognizing this orange to red flags along the way because you don't hit rock bottom overnight it's like slowly and then suddenly it's like okay i'm here again so yeah, that, that made me, I would say, feel like a failure in the beginning because I'm like, ah, how can I make this mistake twice? Am I that stupid? But yeah, we, we, we pay for lessons with experience and pain in life. Uh, so I'm like, well, there is definitely something that I didn't learn the first time. So got to take it like a man and just, just work my ass out of it. And then I did something that I would say most people think as extreme, which I agree with, but I knew for me it was something that I had to do because... It was August 2022, so almost a year ago, I decided to go back to, to Costa Rica, which for me was already like second, second home, because I figured out, okay, this is the place where I can just fully focus and just like remove all distractions and, and social obligations that I felt in Amsterdam, because the reason that I got to this point of rock bottom was, I think, because I was like too distracted being in Amsterdam, agreeing to have a drink with a friend and then suddenly not works for like four or five days. And it's like, okay, this is, it's a negative spiral. But so I at least already learned some lessons from the year prior that I'm like, okay, if I continue this behavior, uh, I'm not getting where I want to go. So I made a complete your turn. Uh, I moved to Costa Rica in the midst of rainy season. I locked myself up in the jungle for like, like a month or something. It was extremely lonely. 
I only had a cat and some scorpions and, and some spiders to talk to, but I was like, okay, this is, I think what I need to do. Uh, so yeah, ju I just spent working there for like, uh, like six months. I only stayed in the jungle for like a month, so it was not that sol sol solitary, but like from August till January of this year, which is work, eat, sleep, train, and repeat. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out of this hole. And I wouldn't say for good, but at least the pain has been so big enough that every time now that I, when there's like a, like a bad week or like a few lesser good weeks, I instantly get this reminder of like, no, no, no. Okay, good. So it's been an extremely painful lesson. Those two, uh, situation of rock bottom uh combined but i'm happy that they uh, they they have I'm, I'm glad they happened because they gave me i think the lessons and the insight i had to had to get but yeah it's been a it's been a fun little roller coaster and uh, it's it's just two years that all those things happened hmm. you i want to dive in a little bit deeper on this because you talked about red flags and there's a lot of people that are now where you used to be. And I would love for you to talk about, about the red flags that now you understand, now you know what they are, but back then you sort of ignored them. And those red flags continue to spiral you down deeper to that place called rock bottom. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I would say how I see it still, it, because it's, it's still, I would say a reality in, especially as a solopreneur, uh, for example, in with lead generation or closing new clients, like I, I understand that, that leads, or let's say inbound leads are always a result from, let's say I get a lead today. It's a result of the work I've done like the last past months, because mm. especially with us service providers, we sell high tickets, high ticket services. It's not that something someone sees our content and instantly decides to buy with us. It's uh, like, for some people it takes a week for some people they have to see your content for six months so i really understand that like inbound lead flow is a is, is a lagging indicator and it's a result of the work we did a few months back uh so now month over month if i see a decline in for example like opportunities or inbound leads i can already under uh i can look closer why that is so for example in in april of this year i decided to so the first part of this year, I run a, a group coaching call, a group coaching program, like a cohort. And then in, in April, I kind of got distracted with pitching a new one-to-one -one offer. And I started looking more into like drop shipping and e-commerce because I was like, I, I got mm -hmm. cocky. I was like, okay, the cohort business runs and I can build something else, which now in hindsight is completely BS. But again, I made that mistake, but I would say only a month in, I was like, hmm, I saw the red flags because the inbound leads were dropping. Okay, I need to pivot again. So my feedback cycle has become much shorter by having these rock bottom situations. Now I can just make a decision like, okay, I think this is not the right way. Okay, because your decision compass becomes stronger. But from, I would say that that pivot in the whole of April led to a, a decrease in business in June. Because I'm like, ah, now there is less business coming in because from April to May-ish, I got, I got distracted. And as a result, my content got a bit diluted. And then I believe that your audience also get distracted because if I speak about three, four, five offers or programs at the same time, my audience tunes out because everyone has a shorter attention span and you have to be really concrete and clear. So in terms of like this, this, this red flags, it's just like 
to make it concrete, like I said, like lead flow is, is a lagging indicator or perhaps like, uh, like less, I would, I wouldn't talk about like, like, like vanity metrics as, as in terms of like likes, impressions, uh, like comments <clears throat> as we're playing like the social game. But of course it's, it's, it's good to look at it from like a month over month or quarter over quarter perspective to see, okay, what is the trend and then just act on, on, on those, uh, those things that you're seeing. Those, those are some great insights that you're giving us here, I find. And so what I caught from you is saying what, a big red flag are distractions. And you notice you're getting yourself getting distracted. You're getting off course. Uh, another one that you didn't specifically say, but I'm taking it from what you were saying, is not measuring and keeping track of uh, important data in the business, sort of how many leads are coming in, how many sales. And also, this goes back into uh, distractions. Maybe it's a lack of staying focused on what you're doing. And I'm curious, because I have a philosophy about that. Or I'm curious to hear about your philosophy. At what point do you say, okay, this, what I build, this lead gen uh, program for LinkedIn that I put together is now running consistently smoothly now i can ha take time energy and space out of that and focus <laughs> on building something else like your amazon dropshipping business yeah that's 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 a great question like i haven't fully cracked that code yet uh but i think i've become much uh like sure a year from now i will laugh about what i'm gonna say but i will say i've become more mature mm -hmm. about like prioritization in terms of like making a decision whether to to pursue an idea or to put it to the side and like, okay, this is, it's important, but not urgent. So I think that I came to like the conclusion that I know which problem I'm solving, like the big problem I'm solving for my clients and for my audience that I'm helping them with high, high quality lead generation through LinkedIn, through content and strategic networking. Like that's like the, that's like the direction I'm heading. But I would say the, the, the way how I do this or the way how I help my clients and customers do this can kind of change over time so that that brings me to like different offers or different like solutions for them so uh, for uh, like a really recent example is that uh like i i this year i underestimated like seasonality because from january to march from march till may and from may till the end of june i run three cohorts like it's like they were all like a 60-day program and in my mind, in the beginning of this year, I was like, oh, I can, I can just run this a few times a year. And then I can just have, that's a really good like revenue stream, which it's, which it is, but it's, it's, it turned out to be different than expected, of course, in, in entrepreneurship, because A, I saw that at some point there was like a little bit of like audience fatigue because I was like, oh, he runs a code every two weeks. So the, the, it became less urgent. And especially in marketing, if, when there is no urgency, especially for high ticket offers, people are like, ah, well, I can just wait. I don't need to take an action because people then become like decision lazy. Plus with like June coming up, July coming up, people are like less, less uh, willing to uh, commit to a program running over the so summer. Like for me, summer or winter doesn't really matter because I'm a digital nomad. I haven't seen winter in a while. So I under <laughs> underestimated the impact of that, that most of the people that I work with are, I would say older than me and they got like, like more of a family setup than I only got. So 
that that brought me to this insight that okay, cool, I still want to solve this problem for my audience, but perhaps now like the delivery of a cohort base, like really like hands-on program, is not the right way. So that decide that 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 I would say that made me decide that in the beginning at the end of May, I was like, okay, I need to f this curriculum that is proven to work because it, my clients are flying with it. They have a really good like content system to consistently generate high-ticket leads through LinkedIn based on their expertise. So I put that curriculum with all the lessons, all the insights, all the live sessions that I had into a self-paced course, because now I'm like, okay, it's still solving the, the different, the same problem, but in a different approach. So whereas before I would go completely like from the cohort to a different like direction, now I'm like within the same direction, I'm just changing the delivery or changing the, like the, the product or the offer but I'm still heading the same way because now when I would say, let's say the hunger for cohort based programs again, will pick up, which I expect to be like September ish when people are like, okay, let's make this year still like something. I want to like invest some time, some, some money in my, in my learning and September, October is a great way of doing of a great moment to do that. So now I'm just more mature and say like, okay, sure. The, the cohort for now is not running as expected because currently I paused it after three successful sessions, but I know the next one in September will be massive because A, I got better because everything that I do for my own brand, which works, I feedback to my client. So I see myself as the ultimate guinea pig there. Plus, I would say people got like a break from me pushing a certain program. So I just think there is like a like a big benefit for, for all there. And like I said, I just keep solving the same problem for my audience. I help them get better in, in the specific way of, of their business. It just differs it's just different like the way how they they get they get to that result yeah yeah so if i understand it correctly you're saying sort of one your philosophy is to understand what is the main problem that you're solving for your audience and then approaching that in different modalities in different ways with different levels of effort and uh, investment that come with that and at this point i also want to share the philosophy that I've learned from my mentor, uh, he said that you, the first step that you should be doing is figuring out what is the, um, what is the income that you require per month to cover your lifestyle. And now this is not, you know, you might, you might have a dream of buying yourself a Lamborghini at some point that should not be the first step, right? The first step is have a good place to live, have a, uh, a budget to travel, be able to, you know, invest in your well-being and all the basic things. For a lot of people, that's the sort of magic number, 10,000 per month. And so then the first step he said is to figure out how do you get to make, to generate $10,000 per month with 20 hours or less of your of active hours per week. And so that's the path that I'm on to focus on that. Um, and then once you have figured that out, then you create more of the systems, the processes to scale the business with less of your time involvement. And at that point, you can then diverge into other businesses that create more income streams for yourself. So I also want to know from you, what was something in this journey to content creation along with LinkedIn that you once believed that you still see a lot of entrepreneurs believe today that held you back back then and that is holding entrepreneurs back today? Uh -huh. That's a great question. And uh, 
I think that comes down to like this, the shattered belief of that selling on social media is bad. Uh, and I'm originally from Holland and Dutch people tend to be really like, like sober. And one of the sayings here is like, okay, don't, don't act crazy. Just, ha just behave normal. And don't like, I think like the Australian saying is like that, uh, like the corn that sticks out over the, like, the, like the field or something. And I think like, that's that that's one thing like that selling or or like self-promoting on on social media is bad but i truly believe that if you are aligned with or like in touch with your audience and you understand their their pains their struggles their challenges their position and you're in a position to to help them by by your your offerings your service your products your content your etc et then it's almost a disservice to 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 not tell them like, sure, some of my content might be perceived as salesy or whatever, but I know I'm helping the right people with, with the message. So I think that's, that's one of the, like, the beliefs around content and especially on, on LinkedIn as well that I, I see changing, definitely. Like, uh, there is much more selling going on these days on the LinkedIn feed from what I see. But of course, my, my feed might be different because, it, again, social media can be an echo chamber, echo chamber if, if, you don't, uh, if you're not cautious enough. Uh, but again, if it comes down to addressing the right people with the right message and just solving a problem for them or helping them solve a problem for themselves, then that doesn't always has to be with a product or a service, a paid one, but because all my content is for free on LinkedIn, all my content on YouTube is for free. Like podcasts like as this are, are free for people to consume. So it's not, it's not always directly about the monetization. We're, we're having this conversation today because we both understand that it will help your audience and will my, help my audience so i think that's that's a belief that i had to like shatter for myself and that's also something that i'm helping my, my especially my one-on-one -on -one clients with because i with my one-on-one -on -one clients i i work with experts like people that are like far ahead of me in terms of like <clears throat> career um career experience like some of them have like 10 15 20 years of experience relevant experience but they have like this notion like ah oh, I can't speak about myself or I can't promote how I'm solving this problem for people because what if people think I'm salesy? So we have to like shatter that belief and put it in a way of like, hey, you're almost doing your, your audience a disservice if we don't speak about this in a specific way. Sure, we don't want to go all out on like sales, like sales persuasion all the time. So we have to find a way of like creatively shaping our message in terms of like, okay, how can we create content that positions you as the authority you are? And makes people want to move closer to or moves people to uh, working uh, moves people closer to working with you or sometimes we can be more direct it's like hey we're seeing this problem this 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 is what it perhaps misses you out or like this is the cost of inaction if you want to make a change today let's work together on this so there are different like variations there but again it all comes down to that if you're if you're genuine about like solving the right problem for the right people selling is not a bad thing yeah yeah, I'm 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 fully there with you. I I had that same struggle, and I'm and I'm sure somewhere inside of me there's still um, that limiting belief uh, sometimes that shows up. And I'm curious. So let's just say somebody wants wanted to work with you one on one. They're an expert in their field. They have 10, 20 years, maybe even thirty years of experience, and they know they're really good at their craft. And now they want to get into the LinkedIn game. And then what they encounter is exactly what they sell. They have this feeling of, I don't want to become across too salesy. I don't want to be too pushy, right? So 
how else other than using a sort of a reframe are you helping people overcome that limitation yeah that's uh that's a good question and i would say the difference for me there in terms of like i said 80 percent of what i do for myself and my clients has to do with content Hmm. Um, so I'm, I know I'm solving like a sexy problem because everyone wants to lead through LinkedIn, but the way, how am I doing it? Not everyone wants it because not everyone wants or can create content, but the people in your, the, in the question like that, I would say are on the fence of like doing that. Uh, like what I'm helping them mostly with in the beginning, <clears throat> if they're still on this fence of like, I don't want to get across as like too salesy is Okay, we focus and we put the emphasis on authority building content because as they're experts in their field, we want to speak about case studies. We want to speak about how they help their pro- their 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 clients or their business. So, I'm I'm a big fan of like the like the process slash systems breakdown kind of content. So it's a little bit educational, but for example, like we like in the service space, like we often think that our 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 our, our ideal audience or ideal clients understand how we work together, but that's not often the case. So there needs to be a little bit of education about how it looks like if they start working with us. Is it true calls? Is it true content? Is it like what kind of like systems or processes are we doing to, to get to a certain stage? And one of the big things that I learned from my, uh, my business mentor there is that you want to speak about the why. So you want to speak about, okay, What's the, what, what's the importance of doing this thing over this system? And you want to speak a little bit about the what. And then with this paint of content, when the, we want to leave out the how. Because with the right people, they read it. It's like, okay, I understand why this is important, this, this, this specific system. And I understand what it kind of like entails. But I want to know more about the specific. And then we learn people on like a more like soft selling way of getting like into the DMs or to have them book a call. So that's like, a, I would say, a good like way of like a gate, gateway type of content to get people closer without making the direct sales. So case studies, system breakdowns, uh, mm. thought leadership pieces, or the like content that shares like industry trends or, or insights, all these, pay, all these pieces of, of content that with my clients that I'm like, I'm just helping them think, okay, what piece of content can we create that positions you as the expert you are to help your audience solve the problem they have so they trust you more. So it's a, it's a little bit like on that, like the thought leadership, authority, trustworthy con- con- content. And then whenever they're ready with like the offer, like the easy way to transform it into like more direct sales or like more like lead training content is by just having a simple call to action. Because people on, often underestimate that they have to be like clear. Like if I want my audience to reach out for a specific offer, I can just have to post and just hope for the best. Or I can be specific like, hey, if you're struggling with this this content or this problem, you have X, Y, Z assets in place, just send me a message or let's book a call because I would love to speak with you because we want to be specific and clear in there. But I would say that's a little bit out of the out of the scope of your your answer. So I would say mm. that's how I would approach it. Mm. So this, those are great insights. I mean, I, I like what you said in terms of not stressing so much about the how, um, but focusing more on the why and the what and letting results speak. Because, you know, in the online world there, I find it's become a lot more challenging to discern whether somebody is truly um, high quality uh, service provider or is just a really good marketer and putting together all of the numbers, the stats, the looks, the followers, and then you get that impression that they actually are good. So I like 
the way that you talk about that. And also you talk about making it really clear with your content and, and telling people exactly what it is that they, that you want them to do. And so I'm wondering, you talk a lot about the process, about habits. And I have a question for you. And you can take some time thinking about this because it might not be coming right to you. I would love to know from you, if we look at somebody who is a solopreneur or a service provider, high ticket service provider, and they want to grow their LinkedIn or any other social media platform, what would you say uh, is one daily, one weekly, one monthly, and one yearly habit that they should focus on? And that if they did that, it would already increase their chances of becoming a lot more successful quite, quite by quite much. Great question. The, one, the first one is, I would say, easy, between quotes. Yeah. Uh, like the daily one would be definitely like, like publish a post because I know that's the most daunting piece of, of the advice for most people. But like I said, like 80 or 90% of the heavy lifting we do through content with the people that are working on for myself. So it will be, it will be foolish to not start with that one because as you said, uh, the people that in the, in this example are experts. So content creation daily is, is key. Uh, a weekly habit would be to look over the data. Like LinkedIn has some really nice, like native, like statistics in there. You can see which post performs the best in terms of like impressions and engagement. And based on that, you can just, figure out a little bit more about what your audience likes. Uh, also, it would be good to track like weekly um, just to see how many like inbound DMs you get based on your content. In the beginning, it will be zero because I started with zero, you started with zero, everyone starts with zero. So I would say just start writing content. I would say it's a good way to also interact I wouldn't say daily, but like a few times a week with people in your space or people that are a few steps ahead of you or, or like industry leaders. So let's say you're an expert in like digital marketing. There are a few people that are like, like absolute A players or like in the game for like 20, 20, 30 years. And they're like the, the influencers. You kind of want to like look out for their content, like see what's happening there. Uh, you want to look for a few competitors, not to like, just like not not to necessarily like like copy things, but just get inspired because if they're like already on LinkedIn, it's good to see okay what's working for them or what's not working for them. The same way as like if like I started doing like little sidetrack, like I started doing like paid advertisement for some of my my products just to test things out. I look at ads that work because if they work, people spend money on them. So they only spend money on it if the ads work. And the same with content. Like if you look at people that are a few steps ahead of you in like the LinkedIn content creation game. I'm pretty sure they look at their stuff strategically and they stop doing the things that don't work and they do more of the things that do work. So I would say that's like a weekly task in terms of like look over your own stats and look over the stuff that's that's working for the people. A monthly task would be to just note down your, I would say, uh, like some of like the, the stats. So like I said, we, we do look at outcome in terms of like follower growth, likes, engagement, not that much. It's like it's like a nice to have because you still want to see a, a a a line that goes up and to the right, but I would say in the, in the beginning make the goal uh, the number of posts you you published or the number of com comments you have uh, shared or the number of like con connections uh, sorry the number of like conversations you had through your content 
So the first month that could be that, okay, I posted not daily, but I posted like 14 times in a month. Well, then the goal for the next month is to post 15 times or 20 times, just make the output the goal. Uh, and I would say if you do those things, then you don't have to worry that much about setting a yearly goal because if you just stay consistent with it, then the yearly goal would will, will be just keep doing the same things. Like something that I learned from like Alex Hermosi is that if you, you, you can't lose if you don't quit. So I know that if I just keep publishing content, I keep interacting with my audience, I keep putting out offers, I keep having conversation, et cetera, et cetera. Like success is inevitable. It's just that it doesn't come in like a time frame that you have. So I would say the hardest part for like in, in this example is like get started, get started and don't get this encouraged by the lack of results in the beginning or the lack of like feedback, because that will be the case. Because why should people listen to you if you just start posting like seven days? It's like the unsexy answer to, to a problem most people have. And it's true. It's true. The, the, the. The solution to most most of our problems is usually extremely simple and quite obvious. And we're looking for ways to make it seem harder than it is because that gives us an excuse to not do the simple things. Just like the conversation that we're having is also very revealing for me um, because the thing that I consistently don't do is tracking. I, this is, uh, this is an area of growth for me. Uh, there's a month where I track, it looks great. Da, da, da. Then I go, ah, it's okay. You know, and I go in back into intuitive. This is right. This feels good. This looks good. And I know, just like you said, if I was to track completely consistently, you know, for a whole year, my business would be at a very different place. I'm going to take that on for me. And I want to get one more insight from you. What I mean by a yearly habit isn't, and I mean, uh, isn't necessarily only towards sort of like a, how you're showing up on LinkedIn, but also investing. For me, a habit is also, okay, every year I invest in a course with Jesse. Every year I invest in a six months, uh, you know, coaching program with somebody like myself, right? So what is a, a yearly habit? What is a thing that you do once a year? And it can also be, you know, you going onto a retreat that has nothing to do with marketing per se that you find is a game changer when it comes to marketing. Yeah, I think it definitely like aligns with what the, the examples you gave, like um, investing in people that are ahead of you and learning the skills that uh, like, especially as a solopreneur, like our goal is you just, keep getting better and how do we get better to acquire more skills uh, and we can be stubborn and think we can figure out everything ourselves or we can indeed like pay pay for the shortcut and invest in like a coaching or a one-on-one or like currently I, I, like the access I got to my business mentor like it's a it's a fast track to success because he has set his business up in a way that I see myself doing as well so I'm like yeah. why I would be foolish to not learn from this this guy um, so I, I would say that like I wouldn't necessarily look at it from a, like a year perspective, but much more like a like a quarter perspective. Because for me, uh, for some reason, I I kind of like struggle or not not struggle, but like a year feels like a long time, and then you often like forget about how much impact you're gonna have. And I think for me, it's it's easier to a to focus on the day to day, like 
everything that I discussed before and then have like more like like 90 day goals because that's something that that's a time frame that I, I like working with because I can, I, can, I, can, I can see the end, but there is enough days, like 90 days in between to get there or to in between perhaps start judge or like adjust a little bit. So for me now, okay, I knew that Q2 of this year was kind of like building with like the course, the products, the infrastructure, et cetera. Q3 will, again, would be more of like the service providing for my clients. And then Q4 probably be like, okay, I have done all these things right now. Okay, who should I invest in next to get there? Um, so I think it's more of like a, like a fluent way of looking at things. Uh, but I think especially as a solopreneur, uh, like investing in those that are ahead of you is 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 especially in like the digital marketing space that we're we're all in is like have it's it's so much competition we have to stay ahead of our game um so then it almost becomes like survival to to invest in those people yeah i agree and i think you know the coaching is and investing in mentors and guides is is really you know people say there are no shortcuts to success it's bullshit there definitely are and the shortcuts are surrounding yourself and getting access to people that have done what you want to do and instead of you investing five years into getting the answers you invest six months into getting the answers i want to on the same breath i want to ask you another question that i'm very curious to hear especially about you because i think you've done a lot of the inner work and one of the things that I want to do with the Zenpreneur podcast and the Zenpreneur movement is really show entrepreneurs the importance of the inner work. Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs completely avoid that. They're just like, oh, I just need to read the book about from Harmozy or listen to the podcast and I'll just do what I was told. But they end up not doing it. And that is for reasons because there are certain limitations inside of them that they're not able to see. And so I'm wondering, what is something that you have done that was not related to your business, but to your personal life? But after you've done it, after you've worked through that, you made the connection where you're like, wow, having worked on this allowed me to become so much of a better entrepreneur. Yeah. A few thoughts on that, but I would say the underlying one is eliminating stuff. So for example, hmm. like last, last year of August, like when I moved from busy and hectic Amsterdam to Costa Rica in the jungle, like I eliminated like social life, like social contact, I eliminated all these like external stressors and I was literally forced to sit with myself and to, to work on the business. And I would say that also led into like eliminating most of my information diet. So I've been heavily invested like in terms of like money time and also like mental capacity in the work of my mentor because I, as i remember like said earlier like he, his business is the business that i i work i want to work towards in terms of services offers freedom types of clients to work with etc secondly is like i just started consuming only like alex ramosi stuff because I, there was so much alignment for where i want to go and i was like sure there's all these other people that put out great content as well but for now it's not uh, it's important, but not urgent. So I, 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 I had this in the beginning. I was like, okay, what do I need to get better at? Okay, I need to get better at marketing. That's why I hired my mentor. And I need to get better at product. And that's why I only look into the stuff of like Hormos in that case. And these days, the, the moment that I feel like overwhelmed or like I feel like, okay, I got a zillion things 
on my plate right now. It's just for me, like bare and bones. I close my laptop, I take out my, my pen and paper, and I just kind of list out all the things that I need to do. Plus, like that becomes just like a like a like a good like overview of my uh, of myself. And in terms of like like this this mental like limiting beliefs, like I start just asking myself questions, like okay, what are the things I don't see? Like what is what is what is holding me back right now to go 10x this year or to make 10x more money? And then it's the uncomfortable things because we often think we're doing so good and we often think we are the best in what we do. But if I would be, I would be making more money. I would be having more success stories. I wouldn't be like like having like this this inner thought, etc. So I think it comes down for me myself to eliminating most of the should do's or the how to's because uh like information these days is not a it's not a bottleneck in our business it's execution and especially in like the the, the season of, of entrepreneurship that i'm currently in it's execution first like sure I, I need information on a certain things but like i said the example what i what i gave with with ad advertisement what i'm currently doing I'm running the ads and there's like almost like a tuition fee you spent on ad spend. Like that's how you learn and how you get better. And if I'm get stuck at a certain point, I watch some videos, I look into the work of something specific and I go back to the execution. And I think especially these days, people are getting caught up in like the, like, okay, I need to get more courses, more cohorts, more, more access, more books, more, et cetera. And then again, you feel, you end up with overwhelm because in business, everything is important, but not everything is urgent. So for me, it really comes down to, okay, what are the skills that I currently need to possess to get better in my business? What are the constraints in my, in my current business model that, that are that preventing me to get to the next level? Okay, let's cure this bottlenecks, get, get cure these constraints. And, and then, so, and then focus on the, the next problem. So that gives me a lot of like peace of mind there. Yeah. This is some great advice and very practical tips. And I really like you know, the whole, when you're getting overwhelmed, when you're feeling overwhelmed with all of the things business related, take a step back, take out your journal and write down what is it that I need to get done? What's the most vital uh, sort of priorities? The way that I like to look at it is like as main priorities, right? My number one priority might be, okay, revenue uh, creation, revenue growth. And then I break it down. What are the activities, the daily habits that lead to that? Right? And it often gets me back to the conversation we had earlier about, okay, what do I do daily, right? For me, I feel the, the disconnect often was, and this is a great reminder, is like, okay, I created the content. Boom, I put it out. Okay, bye. <laughs> Next, create the content, put it out. But the most important key of creating content is the conversations that it leads to, right? The engagement in the comments and the DMs, because that then gets people on the call. So I like your approach to that. And I also want to ask you, especially you, because you're in the content uh, world and now we are seeing the emerging of AI in the mass market. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts about AI and if you are already using it. And if you are, how are you using it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say I, I, I do my, see, I, uh, say I feel myself as like late to the game, but I think that's my own, like uh, perhaps like the, the bar that I set for myself. But I started using it heavily around like six to eight weeks ago. And it has been a big impact on, on, my, on, my, on my content output, like massively. Uh, and it also sh helped me massively with like asking better questions because 
we all got access to the same, in this case, let, let's take ChatGPT for an example. We all got access to the same engine, like ChatGPT4. Uh, but like I can get more, I can get better information out of it than you if I ask better prompting and queries and questions. So I understood that like, okay, we all got access to this thing. So my, 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 the skill that I need to uh, grow in now is ask better questions, be more mm -hmm. specific what I actually need to get out of this thing. So it comes down to like learning how to utilize it. So with that being said, like, uh, like the last, I think four to six weeks, I would say 99% of my LinkedIn content is heavily generated by AI and no one on this, no one sees it. Like, I'm not like, like, like just like, uh, I would say doing, cutting the lazy work, but I'm like, well, I can do the heavy lifting through AI with all everything that I know. I can combine the two things because I know what works for my audience. I know the content that works for my, which I tried to, because I've been writing daily for three years. So that's like a, like a thousand days, like many articles, many tweets, many LinkedIn posts. <clears throat> so I got that habit, but now I'm combining that with like, like I'm outsourcing my thinking to AI and I'm like, okay, I can combine the two things. So I massively increased my, my content output, <clears throat> but for my clients, I also use it in terms of like, like, because I help my one-on-one -on -one clients with like content strategy templates, like content frameworks, because they are the expert at what they do, but they often kind of look like, like, like the, the tangible or like, like practical writing skill, because writing is an art. It's super hard. So now I'm like, okay, how can I, create something that they can just work with to get their content. So there's like, I'm bridging the gap between, oh, okay, I can do all the heavy lifting and frameworks myself. But now I understood like, okay, if I craft prompts, like, okay, I need to have this with this context and like all kinds of nuances, I get to an outcome. So as we speak, I'm building out all my protocols because that allows me to scale my server side of the business while getting even better results for my clients because we can be ignorant and like stubborn, like, oh, I know it myself and it's cheating to not use AI. I was kind of like in that camp before, but now I'm like, well, I can combine the two. I can use the insights and the, and the, and the, and the, 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 the relevant and specific insights I have with proven practices, because why does certain copywriting work? Because it acts on human psychology. Well, I can either read a book about human psychology or I can, for example, chat, use ChatGPT like, hey, write me a post using the hero journey framework or use like the framework from this, this, and this, and this. Apply this kind of part to it. Boom. And that's how we, that's why we add leverage in our business. And I know the, the podcast is about like mindful entrepreneurship. Well, for me, adding like ChatGPT in my, in my concentration process and in my client delivery process helps me to be more mindful because I have to spend less time on the tedious task. Plus, I'm getting my clients better results, so less stress because they're performing better. Their best business grew, so it's like a win-win-win. But I would say the skill here, again, comes down to like learning the skill is to go through the frustration to getting to the output using, for example, ChatGPT. So uh, I would say, again, I have a U-turn then, and now I see it like an essential uh, element in my business. But I don't build my business around it because I understand it's like a... It's, it's an edge that can fall away at any time because you're relying on a tool or software. Plus, we all got access to this thing. So everyone can make templates. It's just, okay, how can you, how can you ask the right thing? But at some point, like this, this, perhaps that knowledge becomes more commoditized. Yeah, yeah. Great, great answer. Really love it. And I was secretively hoping for your answer <laughs> to be that way. Uh, little backstory. 
I felt exactly the way you felt in terms of this whole, ah, it's cheating and it's sort of like, you know, like pretending that that's me, but it's not really me. And then I had a conversation with myself. Where I'm like, okay, Mario, what's the real goal here with your content creation? What, what are you trying to achieve? And then I said, okay, what I want to achieve with that is I want to get more people into my coaching. Why? Because when they come into my coaching, I can help them transform their lives in radical ways. What I do is truly transformational. I know the value of it. So I will do anything in the most ethical way I can to get as many people into these services because that's my duty. So then I was like, okay, well, then I'm just going to get over my ego and tell, oh, that's not really truly me. And I'm going to get down to it. And I have been working extensively with ChatGPT4. I got the, the paid version uh -huh. um, and it's phenomenal. And you know what happened? You actually responded to one of my newsletters and you said, great newsletter. Really good. Something along the uh -huh. lines of that. And I was uh -huh. like, yes, if he says that, that shows I'm on the right path. Because I am using ChatGPT, just like you said, to 10x my content output. The other day, on a on half a Monday, I produced content for the next two weeks. Uh -huh. And that's with videos and all that stuff. And I'm like, this is truly extraordinary. So I definitely uh, will go deeper into AI, into using that. Not to take away from my, my own intuitive uh, um, creativity and from my uniqueness. And... Yeah, just get a lot better with that. And I'm I'm wondering, do you see, like when you say better questions, right? What is a good way for somebody to ask better questions? Well, that's a, I would say that's a podcast question. Uh, like that, <laughs> that's one question for like a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it comes down to the specificity. Let's take two like really like extreme uh, opposite examples is that if I would go to chat GPT right now and I ask it like, hey, write me a LinkedIn post, I get something absolutely shitty. I get something like once upon a time, there was someone who did and like with hashtags and emojis and like you, you literally because people have a really good bullshit factor. They will call it. They, they will see it and like, yeah, AI. So yeah. it only hurts your credibility and trustworthiness. But. Like the, the prompts that I'm using are like a page long. I'm like, I'm just priming the, the, the AI. I'm like, hey, you are this. We're working towards this. You're, this is the audience. This, this, this. Like all kinds of information to just put in there as much as possible. And then I'm really specific. I'm like, okay, I need a post that does this, but not this. Do this, but not this. Do Like I see it as like, uh, like currently I'm teaching my girlfriend how to use it. And it's massive because he went from like, I don't know how to do this. This is amazing in like two days. So it's it's really fun for me to be that teacher. And I told her, I was like, hey, treat it as the most ambitious and eager intern you have with all the knowledge, but you have to be extremely concise and clear to what you need from it. Because if I tell you like, hey, write an essay, you get an essay of like 90 pages and you're like, oh, I only needed one page with like a summary and like the synopsis. Well, just tell it. Like everything... All the questions, like I, I keep conti conti uh, continuously like improve my prompts because let's say I have a think a good prompt, I put it in and the outcome is ex different than what I thought or expected. I feed it back into the first prompt. Let's say I have this really huge prompt and I put it in and I get an outcome and it's too salesy. Well, next time I put in, don't make it too salesy. 
if the outcome is like with like emojis next time i feed it in with like hey no emojis so it's a it's a constant like iterative process i'm having like a gazillion google docs with like prompts that are working prompts that are not working prompts this prompt got this output this output was not good so i feed that back into the prompt understanding that I can run a prompt today. I can run a prompt next week and the outcome might be slightly different because you're still, it's still like, like the, the uh, GPT-4 is, is constantly in, uh, in development, et cetera. But <clears throat> every time I run through this process, my thinking gets sharper. Like every time I look at the prompt, I'm like, okay, does this exclude all the things that I don't want to have? Does this have all the information that I have in my head? Again, it forces me to extract more information and to do, be really concrete, like especially with like, let's say our something like vague as our ideal client profile. Everyone has a good understanding, or like let's say service by have a good understanding of the ICP, but how good of an understanding do you have until you start to write it out? They're making this, they're doing this, they hate this, they, they love doing this, this is a challenge. All these things that we know in our head, but the moment we force and we put it onto paper, it's a, a good exercise to get clear on that. Plus, we're getting to output. You're like, hmm, interesting. Perhaps 90% of what you get out is, is shittier, but we only need a $1 million idea. And then we can iterate on that. Yeah. So good. I love it. Jesse, you have provided a lot of value for anybody who is interested in utilizing social media because you know the strategy that you share today i don't think that they're just applicable to linkedin they are pretty applicable pretty much applicable to anywhere to anyone who is looking for additional lead flow becoming more of an inbound lead person how can people connect with you and i believe you also have something for someone who is looking to you know get a taste of what jesse can offer uh what's the best way to connect with you yeah, great question. Um, so the first one is to, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. So as you, in the beginning, I uh, tried to pronounce my surname. It's pretty hard. It's, it's super Dutch. So my, my full name is Jesse van Bruegel. But what people can do is like, if they type in my full name or my story, my first name, and then follow the purple dot, because purple is my branding color. It started as a joke, but now I'm just saying like, hey, people, first name and then follow the purple dot. You will definitely see me. Uh, like the bald head is not hard to miss, I would say. <laughs> uh, the second thing is for people, especially like interested in getting started on LinkedIn or just getting clear on, okay, how can I get from no lead flow or inconsistent lead flow to a more consistent lead flow is to, they can download my free ebook. So if they go to premiumleadsystem.com slash scale mid dash opt in, I think Mario will, you will put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. They can find like the three-part strategy, which is already like a really good way to start. The first one will be like optimizing your LinkedIn profile because it's like essential. The second one will be start in, will we look into like, okay, how can we craft the con all the content that I spoke about today? So the authority building content, the lead generating content. And the last one would be about, okay, how can we be strategic about our outreach? Because we don't want to spend our time like I did in the beginning, like three, four hours engaging with everyone on LinkedIn. That's a waste of time, especially because we're all busy service providers. So it will help us with great ways to be strategic and in that way, just to grow your brand, grow your business, uh, work with better clients. And in the end, be more mindful and make more money in the process. Mm, I love that. 
and I can vouch for it. I've worked with Jesse. He's a fantastic human being. He delivers high quality. He's really good at what he does. So I recommend uh, any everybody who is interested, connect with Jesse. There's lots of value for you to get from his LinkedIn profile. I certainly look at his LinkedIn to look at what else am I not seeing? What can I learn uh, to improve upon? Jesse, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being on the Zenpreneur podcast. And I know it won't be the last time that we uh, share insights with the world. For sure. Thanks for having me, Mario. Beautiful. And thank you for tuning into the Zenpreneur podcast. And I will see you on the next episode.